Welcome to Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. I'm Paul Dottino. He is Jeff Fiegels, and we'll be here for the next hour. Hello, Jeff. To talk uh, NFL draft mm-hmm. and New York Giants football, Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes. Jeff, first up, before we even get to any of our phone calls today, and you'll be able to get on the line in about 20 minutes or so at 201-939-4513, there's something called the NFL draft happening in a week. What? Yeah. Mean? Did you know that? Kind of. I knew it was getting close. Maybe next week, somewhere around in there. Uh, yeah. No. In- indeed it is. And Josh Norris, who covers the NFL for NBC Sports and Roto World, is kind enough to give us some time as we kind of get the scoop on what is Ooh. going around around the rumor mill uh, in the NFL draft. Josh, it's so great to talk to you. Paul Dottino and Jeff Fiegel's with you today. Hi, Josh. Thank you. Yeah, gentlemen, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, sure. we, we appreciate your time as well. And first things first, before we, we even go anywhere else into the depths of this draft, let's just start with the obvious because everywhere you go, people want to talk about how many quarterbacks are going to go in the first round. Now, we're not going to talk specifics about the Giants, but in all honesty, in your best guess, is it going to be one, two, three, four, I've heard even some people say as many as five could go in the first round. Well, I wish I knew for sure. I might win some money uh, next weekend. Um, (laughs) Look, we we know we're going to have one, right? And almost certainly that would be the number one selection or the number four selection. After that, it goes completely up in the air, right? Like we've seen the Giants completely connected to Daniel Jones and Drew Locke and Dwayne Haskins. We've seen that with the Dolphins. We've seen that as the Bengals. And it seems like every single year around this time, we hear that the NFL loves these quarterbacks, right? And they're going to be taken earlier than you expect them to be. Well, sometimes that can be the case in round one, but once we hear those names that are fringe first-rounders, usually those guys end up in round two, three, four, five. Mm -hmm. Um, I think at the end of the day, I I think we'll get two quarterbacks in round one. We know one's going to be Kyler Murray, and after that the next ones could be Haskins, Locke or Jones, but I highly doubt we see all four go in the first round. What do you think, Josh, about that secret team? Is there going to be a team that <laughs> has been laying on the weeds and has hasn't said anything, and they've got smoke coming out of the chimney, and it's white or it's black? Who knows? Do you have any idea if there's going to be a team like that coming out of the in, from anywhere? You know what? It's like we hear that same information every every year as well. Um, in previous seasons, it's been the New Orleans Saints, uh, the, uh, San- the Los Angeles Chargers. Even right now, you're hearing the Green Bay Packers because now mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers yeah. is approaching 35 years old, and they selected Aaron Rodgers when Brett, Fa- when Brett Favre was 35 years old. Um, the-, the Chargers do make a little bit of sense. I mean, all these teams have backup quarterbacks now. It just depends on if they want to have that long-term spot um, locked down for their quote-unquote quarterback of the future. But you guys know this, like that sit and wait period with the first round quarterback prospect, it really doesn't happen anymore, right? Like these quarterbacks are ready to play if they're good enough once they enter the NFL. And as soon as one is selecting the first round, you have a starter in place, that starter maybe not be looking over his shoulder, but he knows his time is cut short there, just like it was in Kansas City with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. So I'm not sure if we'll see one of those reach back into the end of the first round like we did last year with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, but it would not be a shock either. Josh, let me ask you this. 
if the Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury, their head coach, did not own the number one pick, would there truly be any discussion at all about Kyler Murray being the number one player being taken in this draft? I have the secret sense, maybe it's just my sixth sense, that the Oakland Raiders really love Kyler Murray as well. Um, I just think it's difficult for us to hear so much uh, about where he might end up outside of Arizona because it's been written in pen for so long yeah. that he will be the number one overall pick, right? And it's kind of tough to separate the prospect from the pick at this point. Now, I will say this, just 365 days ago, you, you both know this. It was written in pen that Sam Darnold was going to be the number one overall pick, correct? <laughs> yeah. And, and then we saw that he was taking private workouts and visits to all these other teams, the Jets, the Giants, further down the list. And, you know, that little that opened up a little bit of a door to say, okay, maybe this isn't the locked-in number one selection. And guess what's happened the last week, the last two weeks? The same thing has happened with Kyler Murray. I mean, he's gone and visited the Washington Redskins who are picking at number 15. So maybe it's not as, you know, 100% as we expected, but I'm, I'm close enough that it seems, certainly seems like the, the 80 to 90% range Tyler Murray still is the number one pick. Josh, you know, around here with our Big Blue Kickoff Live staff, I think all of us agree that when you're going through the draft, you don't draft for position, you draft for the player that's there, the best player available. Um, Dave Gettleman came in here last year, changed up his draft board, kind of changed up how he did things. He, he mixed up the, the whole scouting staff and went, he had a new evaluation system, things like that. What is your belief when it comes to that type of selecting a player? Is it, the, is it a need pick or do you pick because of the player or is it the best available? What is it? Yeah, I love this question. And I, you often hear about best player available, right? Yeah. I think that's truly a mess. I do. Um, I, I think the right way to approach it is best grade available because either consciously or subconsciously need is factored into a grade. Okay. Of course, yep. And you can look back to Dave Gettleman's time with the Carolina Panthers. When he had a true need at the position, he doubled up at that spot. Okay. You look at the interior defensive line. As soon as he got there, first and second round, boom, Starlo Tulele and K1 short. When they had no cornerback, it was James Bradbury. It was Daryl Worley. And then, Shortly after, um, they look, looked at Zach Sanchez in the, on the third day. So it's not like he is someone that is averse of selecting a need early on to fill that. And I, I think that's fine. Look, we all have these biases. We bring them all to the table. And it's important to know that need should be a factor in the early rounds of the draft. And then later on, maybe with your depth and, and the darts that you're throwing in round five, six, seven, truly do take the best player that's left on the board. Let me kind of build off that just a little bit because we know the Giants are going to be picking sixth unless there's some kind of crazy trade that materializes, and I don't think it will. I think they are going to make the number six pick. How likely is it in your mind, and I think the quarterbacks are going to factor into this, obviously, that Williams, Allen, or Bosa, who appear to be the best three players on defense on everybody's board, maybe they're not on yours, I don't know, but that one of those guys could get to the Giants at six. Yeah, I don't think it's likely because you have teams earlier in the draft that have the same exact need, right? Yep. Um, the San Francisco 49ers, the New York Jets, the Oakland Raiders, they all can use both interior and edge help. So while six is a great spot to be in, I, I do think that they might have to take a player in that next tier. 
Now, I think Ed Oliver belongs in that first year. He might be on the board, but I wonder if, you know, Dave Gettleman, if he fits his thresholds, right, because he kind of comes in a different package despite offering so much, so much disruption. But, look, the Giants might believe that a Montez Sweat belongs in that first year as well, or Rashawn Gary or someone of that sort. So, as you keep hearing, and I'm sure as you guys know, this edge class, this interior defensive line class, is super talented at the top. And the reason I say at the top is because these guys aren't going to last into the mid to late first round, right? Because very rarely do you find people that you can count on, prospects that you can count on to potentially win their one-on-one matchup in every pass, rush, rep, right? Those don't grow on trees. Those aren't common in the NFL. And so if you find those in the draft, they are taken early. And so where the Giants are right now in the top ten, they should be able to find one of those players that can immediately help them and possibly win their one-on-one matchup in the pass rushing situation. Well, you know, when we talk about the draft with the Giants, there's all kinds of needs on defense. So this is really a nice draft to have when it's coming it up for the Giants. Um, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they could draft the, all 12 picks go defense this year. First time ever. <laughs> Who knows? But um, <laughs> I will tell you that, you know, the offensive side of the football, when you talk about the Giants and their, and their skill positions, are, are pretty good. Um, when we yep. talk about quarterbacks, and I, I don't want to get back on the quarterback thing, but just real briefly, I'd like your opinion on which one of these quarterbacks in the Pat Shermer system do you feel would fit into the Giants' plans if they did decide to take a quarterback? And I don't care where they take them. Which one do you think that yeah. they, they would fit in here? Well, I, I think Pat Shermer's shown that he can have success with a, a variety of quarterbacks, you know? Yeah. I think he's one of these smarter play callers that, you know, isn't just set in his ways completely um, and goes by what's got him to that spot, right? I think he, he's innovating, which is great, especially with the type of offensive weapons that the Giants do have. Now, it certainly seems like they have been biased towards pocket passers, ones that, you know, you want to succeed inside of structure um, that are kind of an extension of the offensive coordinator, the play caller on the field. If that's the case, after Kyler Murray, I think Dwayne Haskins is at the top of that group. But I'll okay. tell you this. To me, Josh Rosen and Dwayne Haskins present very similar evaluations. So for me, if I can get a Josh Rosen for hmm, a second-round pick, maybe a mid-rounder in 2020, that's the move I'm making rather than taking Haskins at 6 or 17 or wherever else. We had Dan Orla- or- Orlaski. Is that how you say it? Orlaski. Orlaski. Oh, he's pretty good. He's pretty and, good at the job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and I'll tell you, his, in the way that he laid it out, similar to what you just did, he, we asked him, and John Schmelk, who's one of our other hosts here, posed the same question to him. He said that he would take Josh Rosen over any of these quarterbacks in a, in a New York minute over any of these guys if it became available just because of the fact that He's got an experience in the league for one year, even though it was a horrible experience. He's still got some of it. But the other thing is, is that he has all the intangibles you need as a, as a big-time quarterback. Um, and yeah. he really believed in his skill set. Yeah, and, and I was a big fan of Josh Rosen last year. I still am. Now, I, I will say this, and this gives me a little bit of pause. You look at all the young, successful quarterbacks in the league right now, okay? Basically, all but one have mobility to win outside of structure. To win off script and that one is probably Jared Goff right and he's playing behind mm-hmm. maybe a top two offensive line for the last two years and that's really elevated him into being a, a consistent successful quarterback the rest I mean are able to use their feet to create yards and, and production even when their consistency as a passer falls off of it um, Carson Wentz did that early in his career Josh Allen 
Mitchell Trubisky. And I will tell you this, Josh Rosen, Dwayne Haskins, mm-hmm. they do not offer <laughs> that potential. And yeah. so I, I just kind of think that that's a trend of young quarterbacks in the NFL, and that does worry me with both those names. I agree. As we uh, run out of time with Josh Norris, who covers the NFL for NBC Sports and Roto World, let's stick with Rosen for just one second. Let's assume Kyler Murray goes with the number one pick to the Cardinals, and that would make Rosen expendable. We all seem to think he's going to have to get a one-way ticket out of there. Where do you really believe is the most likely landing spot for him? Do you think it is the Giants? Many people think maybe the Redskins would make a bid for him. Or the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, all the places you mentioned. This is what I think is going to happen. You know, I, I don't think any substantial conversations have happened with Rosen right now, okay, in terms of dealing him. What I do think will happen, and maybe it's to add to the, to the spectacle of the draft, is that day Steve Time will go to all the teams that need a quarterback and say, hey, give me your best offer by maybe, you know, 6 p.m. the day of the draft, okay? And, and so then he'll have a database. He'll have a bank of the top offers, and then he'll make the move from there rather than doing it, you know, two days, three days, four days in front of the draft. And, sure. and I, I think the Giants maybe should be in there, and I think Washington should definitely be in there, especially with their cap situation at the quarterback position um, with Alex Smith's injury. So ultimately, what do you think the price will be? Is it going to be just a number two pick, or do the Cardinals have the opportunity in your mind to get more than that out of somebody? Can't get a first round, no. No, you can't. Look, I just I just bought a car, okay? Congratulations. And as soon as I drove the car off the lot, <laughs> it I depreciated. Knew that I wasn't going to be able to sell it back to him. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so I think with Josh Rosen, it is going to be a second round pick, and I think you'll probably get maybe a a third or a fourth round pick, depending on how, how his play is in 2020. So getting two picks for one player that obviously you replace with the number one overall pick, I think is a, a pretty decent haul when the teams know that you probably don't think of him as your future star. Good stuff. All right, Josh, uh, Josh Norris, who covers the NFL for NBC Sports and Roto World, we appreciate your time very much. We love having you on every year to talk about the draft. It's been a lot of fun, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Josh. Yeah, good luck, guys. Thanks a lot. Really you too. appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. 201-939-4513 is our number here on Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be here till the top of the hour to take your phone calls about the New York football Giants. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we'll have Dave Softy Miller from KJR Radio in Seattle to talk about today's prospect preview report. It will be the Washington Huskies. And by the way, Paul Dottino and Jeff Fiegels uh, joining you again. And uh, the Washington Huskies have a lot of prospects, Jeff. They're, they're going to send a bunch of guys into the NFL. Well, they were a good team. I mean, look at them the last couple of years. Uh, they got to, you know, just they – you don't hear much about them because of where we're at because they play so late out there on the West Coast. But, um, yeah, good football team, good players. And so you, I would imagine they'll have seven to eight guys in camps. Maybe not all of them get drafted, but – uh, they've got a safety that's going to get drafted, most likely. All right, so we'll talk more about those guys in just a bit. But if you want to get on the line, it's 201-939-4513. Or hit us up at uh, hashtag GiantsChat on Twitter. I'm also at GiantsWFAN. He is at Jay Fiegels, all one word. And today, the big news in the NFL. And the other day, was Russell Wilson resigning with the Seahawks. Mm. Today's big news is that the schedule comes out. Yep. At 8 p.m. tonight, it will be released to the public. NFL Network, of course, has its own live schedule show to unveil who is going to be playing where. 
Jeff, Any be odds? honest with me. <laughs> I'm always honest. No, no, with no, you. no. Today I need you to be really honest with me. Okay. As a player, and I know they didn't make a big deal about the schedule release in those days, mm-hmm. but did it really matter yes. much to you? Yes, yes. Okay, yes. tell me about it. Well, let me give you an idea. Why do you think I looked at that schedule the first time it came out? I'll give you, an, I'll give you, an, I'll give you a hint. It has to do something with weather. Well, you're a punter. Yeah. So I, I would have figured. No longer a punter, but I well, was. Well, I would have figured yeah. that certainly you already knew what your home stadium was going to be. You knew the climate of the indoor facilities, right. which was going to be perfect. Yep. So all you knew is that you were going to have some road games and outdoor weather that could potentially be affected. Yeah, so I would look at who, who the division was, where we were playing. We know that. We just didn't know what time of the year. That right. was the biggest thing. So if I was to look at the Giants' schedule right now and I was still on the team, I'm looking at that Detroit game, all right? That Detroit game is going to be outdoors. I'm looking at that Tampa game when it's going to be because hopefully it's going to be later in the season when it's when it's warm there and cold here and then of course i'm looking at two or three of these i'm looking at that chicago game going my goodness i hope for god that that is early in the season because that's not a fun very good place to play and of course you look at new england okay that could be another one that could be very cold um so yeah you kind of look at it this and this but I, I, I would always look at the domes first, and, and hopefully when it comes out, if you get the dome games at the end. Now, going into the season, I would always know next year we're playing the whoever it was it had. Let's, let's call it the NFC, uh, NFC South. Right. That's a great conference. That's a good division. Well, of course. It's a warm division. Yes. Okay. So, But this year, you're looking at this stuff. and um, Well, in this particular case, though, Jeff, Detroit is the only indoor dome team that yeah. the Giants are playing on the road. Yeah. Because I mean, Dallas always keeps the roof open. Yeah, well, the, well, Dallas is a, that's an indoor one too. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, so there's really two. Yeah, but, but Dallas keeps they never close the roof there. But knowing the cold games, I would always look at the cold games when they are on the schedule. Whether they're in the last two months of the ske- of the season, that's that's gonna that's gonna stink. It's gonna be freaking cold. Hate it. But any, I, I will tell you this. I would give it. And I'm, I'm obviously don't know the schedule till it comes out tonight. But just from past. There's probably a good chance that the New York Giants will be playing the Dallas Cowboys on game one. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, it happens every single thinking year, right? Uh, it does seem to happen that way, doesn't it? I mean, it didn't happen last year. It was the second game of the season because they played Jacksonville the first game. But I would guess well, it. Well, that, that had the Tom Coughlin storyline built into that's it. That's right. why. So, but I, I gotta, I gotta believe that you know that the networks just love that that first game with Giants Dallas. Giants well, Dallas, Giants I, Dallas. I, I, I do know this. For those of you who want to figure out some kind of hints on the schedule, I was told several years ago by an executive at, at NBC Sports. I don't mind saying this. I will not give up his name, mm-hmm. but I will tell you he was an executive at NBC Sports, and he said to me. Uh, it's no coincidence that every year since Sunday Night Football went to NBC, the Giants have played the Cowboys at least once a season on Sunday Night Football. Okay. One year, they actually played them twice on NBC's Sunday Night Football. So I asked him, I said, this seems to be a lock, and I guess it's because if you look at the ratings, it's always one of the highest-rated games of the year. Even though the teams don't always have good seasons, mm-hmm. Giants-Dallas – is usually an exciting game, a lot of points, down to the last two minutes of the game. Yep. And he said, that's exactly right. 
America's team is still the Cowboys and the Giants are still the Giants. And every single season, we're going to take at least one of the Giants-Cowboys games. One thing that affects that conversation is that now you can flex. So that that game may not be, you know, obviously it could be at, at a 1 o'clock game on the schedule, but that game, if the Giants and, and the Cowboys are relative, that, that could now go into a Sunday night slot. You know what I'm saying? They can change it around a little bit more you than they used they, to. You mean if they bumped it into the second half and then said, well, NBC, you'll have the option to pluck it. Correct. Correct. Interesting thought. So think about that. You know, um, it'll very be it'll be very interesting to me to see how many primetime games the Giants get this year. Um, I would think they would get quite a few. Um, quite my, a few, meaning I'm guessing three. My guess is three. Three. Okay. Uh, maybe. And can, can I tell you why? Well, I got a reason. Saquon, from a marketing perspective, is a big time nugget for the NFL and for the networks. I say they get two games just because of Saquon. Mm-hmm. And I think they get another game. And I was telling some of the guys this early this morning when I got to the facility, I do think Tom Brady against Eli Manning, Patriots-Giants rematch is probably going to be the third primetime game on the Giants' schedule. Thursday night game. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Thursday night game. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a perfect matchup. All right. Matt, you're telling me Softy's on the line already? No. No. We just, oh, we've got some phone calls already. All right, folks. Trying to figure out Matt's hand signal. Yeah, when I well usually that means this like yeah you're cool. That means the guest is on the is on the phone usually. Yeah, or Uh, or I'm cool. Look at me. (laughs) Check it out. (laughs) Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Let's go to those phone lines and let's see who we've got up first on the show. It's Charlie from Portland, Maine. Hi, Charlie. You're not getting any crazy music out of me. I don't believe in that shtick. (laughs) I am the guest. Yes, sir. Yes, you are. (laughs) <laughs> hey, I think it's going to be Buffalo. I think that's going to be the first game. I think they're doing the AFC again like they did last year. And I think we're going to be playing Buffalo. New York, New York. So that's mm. my guess. Okay. Probably probably in Buffalo. Well, maybe at home, but I think in Buffalo. Well, but no, anyway, no, the no, Buffalo, Buffalo game has to home. be home. It's at home. That's already been determined. It, it, the oh, home games we yeah, already yeah. know. Yep. Charlie, if you haven't seen it, okay, I'm not trying to be a wise guy. Giants home no. games. <laughs> Outside of the division are the Packers, the Vikings, the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Cardinals. Road games outside the division. The Bears, the Lions, the Patriots, the Jets, and the Buccaneers. All right. Well, that's good. Hey, look, we got a good schedule this year. Remember last year we were going all over the place? Oh, Murderer's Row. We're flying all over the place. This year we don't have to fly anywhere. And we actually got nine home games this year because we're playing the Jets at home. Correct. So we don't have to go anywhere. And I think by mileage, the furthest game might be the Cowboys. By mileage. Yeah. Definitely. So we we, we definitely have lucked out this year on, on scheduling, I think. So um, we should uh, we should be good with that at least. And I got a question for you. I've been thinking about <clears throat> uh, White, the linebacker from LSU. I'm thinking if he's there at six, he might not be. But if he's there at six, why not take him? Because then we have a linebacker who can go sideline to sideline, and a guy who can definitely rush the passer. We get both. Uh, you know, we get the best of both worlds instead of just getting a a DN that's just going to, you know what I'm saying? I think it's time to pick a linebacker. And I think this guy, from what I've seen and watched some of his games and who he is, I think he he was going to bring the energy to this team. And I think we need that linebacker, especially since we're a 3-4. 
some of the time. All right, Charlie. Appreciate the call. We'll talk okay, to you again guys. soon. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, well, we did have an LSU uh, reporter on as we did our prospect previews, and the discussion about Devin White was, on the negative side, was that he does miss a lot of tackles and does overrun plays and does get too aggressive. The question that we had for him, which Brian brought us, the former scout, Super Bowl scout, who now does a lot of work with the Cowboys.com uh, people, had said uh, he's not a three-down backer because you can't expect him to, to do things in coverage. Uh, talking to the LSU guys, he, he, he said to us, well, they didn't ask him to. So that's going to have to be a projection. Apparently, he's a very good athlete. We've seen some of the tape. He's a good athlete. He's quick. He's athletic. He's got a lot of skills. But at LSU, they did not ask him to do any coverage. And quite frankly, uh, the way teams are playing nowadays, if you're going to be a three-down backer and you're an inside backer, Jeff, you've got to be able to cover. No question. I mean, obviously his athleticism will help him, but if they didn't ask him to do a lot of it in college, you don't have a lot of tape on him that's showing that he can do it. Then you're relying on just basically saying, you know, he's athletic, he can do it. Hopefully he can do it. I don't know if I want to waste a number one pick on someone like that other than, and I look at, I look at need. We talk about need in drafting, need, don't draft by the player. The Giants need an edge rusher. The Giants need defensive linemen before they need linebackers in my opinion well i will say this i don't think there's any doubt that devin white's a number one pick no there, no there are those folks who think oh. he might fall to 17 maybe you think about well, no. him there if you want to what i meant the number one pick mean like the giants number one pick at I, six I, at you mean six yes, yeah i, I can't i'm not touching them at six well, either. that's what i meant by the number one pick like the I giants number one their, pick. their first pick yes correct yeah. yeah i i don't think anybody that i have seen lists Devin White as one of the top six players, best player available no, on the board. No, no, I haven't seen it either. Um, not to say that it couldn't happen, but I doubt it will because of the edge rushers and the defensive linemen that are there. And, and I would add this to you, Charlie. If you really want the guy after the top three players who everybody believes the best three defensive players on the board are Boso Williams and Josh Allen, after those three guys, then there's a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a notch down, and then you get the second-level guys of which – you know, Montez Sweat's in there, Burns is in there, Oliver's in there, Farrell's in there. I personally absolutely adore Clellan Farrell. I've made that very clear now for a month. In fact, I even think I started at the Combine talking about him. And why? Because of the top-level defensive edge rushers in this draft, he's the best at playing the run. He holds the edge. He is a two-way defensive end. He reminds me so much of Justin Tuck. And if I said to you they could get Justin Tuck with the sixth pick in the draft, I think you'd take him. <laughs> Especially because I know, already know how he plays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Oh, well. But you know what? You could get a, you could get a, you can, you're going to get a quality player at that number six. No, we can't get, end. we can't get Tuck. We might get Farrell, though. No, I'm saying we can't get Tuck. I was right. Just we can't get Justin Farrell. Right. I, yeah, I'm with you there. He's, he would, he would not, listen, I would not be discouraged if they took him, but. If Quinnen Williams is still there, then I would take him. Well, any of the top three defensive players, if they fall to six, you'd have to grab yeah. whoever that guy is. And I don't I think, think anybody the, would debate I that. I think that there's a chance that Quinnen Williams would be one of those guys that drop two Giants in the six. That would be shocking to me. Well, would love it. to see it, though. Okay, well, think about it. You got, you got, okay, think about you. So you've got Bosa. There's Bosa, Allen, and Williams, the top three defensive players. Okay. So you get five <laughs> picks before the Giants. If two quarterbacks go in the top five. They got three. Well, that's it. That's two plus three is five. Giants are six. Unless, They're on the outside looking in. Unless, now they've they got to go to the next level. 
Unless somebody moves up or somebody wants another player at one well, of those positions. The, I was talking to somebody about this this morning, and I said to me the only way that one of those three defensive guys flops to six is if the two quarterbacks go and then someone in the top five decides maybe they need to take an offensive tackle because there are those who think that either Jawan Taylor or Jonah Williams could potentially be a top five guy. You never know. You don't know. You never know. Is Softy on the line? He is. All right. Thank you, Matt. Hit the button for Softy. Softy Mailer of KGR what Radio in Seattle. On? What's going on, my man? How are you guys? Hey, Jeff. Uh, Hello, Softy. Eagles on the Miami Hurricane roster. Is that your son? That is my fourth son. Yes, that's correct, Softy. Wow. Thank you. He's how many a, kids do you have for crying out loud? That's foreign, by the way. <laughs> that's how long ago it was. He was born in Seattle. And so, yeah, that's Un him. Amazing. Yeah, Jeff uh, Jeff saw uh, some, some bad times in Seattle, saw some good times with that playoff run in 99. And uh, yeah. every time I think of Jeff Fiegels, for some reason, I think about that 98 year and that Phil Luckett, I thought the helmet was a football game against the Jets. Remember that? I don't. What was that now? And I, okay, refresh my memory. What Dennis we... Erickson's last year. Okay. Dennis Erickson's last year, the oh. game at New York. Oh, that's yes. correct. Yes, Testaverde yes. tried to sneak into the end zone. That's right. Yes, yes. You I, were on that team, right? Yes, I was there. Nine, uh, yes, 98 was my first year in Seattle, and all the way up to 2002, yep. and then, they, then, then I got shipped up here, and I've never left, Softy. See, Softy, <laughs> I, I thought you yeah, were going to no, say every you. time you think about Jeff Fiegels, you think about Rip Van Winkle. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Wait, I hold do. on. Nothing about Phil Luckett. <laughs> oh, please. In order, yeah. Okay. Well, how about how about you? You're not exactly, you know, young spring chicken, my friend. No. You've been around a long time too. <laughs> Gee, both of you. I have. How about this, Jeff? In in November, I'll have been at KJR for 25 years. This November, can you believe that? Congrats, man. Yeah, that well is deserved. Awesome. That is awesome. So I guess we're going to talk a little bit about this Washington Huskies team. Loaded. You know, when we look, I was telling Paul earlier when we came on that, you know, we don't get a lot of those games because they're on the West Coast. Um, but, you know, towards the end of the season, when we knew Washington, the year that they were having, uh, we got some of the games. But, yep. you know, so, yeah, it looks like a lot of good prospects. Um, talk to us a little bit about, you know, what you got going on. Well, let, let, let's start off with the first round because, my goodness, uh, okay. there could be as many as eight to ten guys who are going to go during the course of the three days. But but who do you think are the locks for the first round coming off the Huskies? Well, Byron Murphy for sure, yeah. uh, without question. I mean, there's there's debate about whether or not this kid is the best corner in the draft. I know I know Greedy's getting some uh, some conversation in that regard. But to me, the conversation about Byron Murphy isn't is he a first round draft pick? It's is he a top ten pick uh, in the NFL draft? And I don't know about you guys, but they're starting to become a little bit of a perception about corners and safeties that play at Washington that, you know, maybe inflates their draft stock a little bit. I mean, it's turning into DBU in some ways on the West Coast. But, hey, look, man, Byron Murphy can play. He may not be a Seahawks-type defensive back for, for really one reason. That's because the Seahawks like taller corners with long arms. They have not drafted guys. How about this? In the, in the Pete Carroll-John Schneider era, the Seahawks have not drafted a corner was shorter than 32-inch arms, and Byron's at 30 and one-eighth. So he may not fit in Seattle, but a lot of other teams would overlook that. I mean, do yourself a favor. Jump on PFF. I'm pro football focused. And look at his ratings in the in that zone coverage against the press. He can play both left and right corner. Doesn't have great, incredible closing speed. Runs about a 4.5, 5.40, so he's fast, but not blazing fast. 
but he's an incredible cover corner. He may be, honestly, guys, the best cover corner Washington's ever had, and that's saying something. Well, now, let, let me let me say this, Softy. I, I, I happen to agree with you. I think he sneaks into the bottom of the first round. I, I don't necessarily know that I'd go as high as top ten like you said. Well, uh, Jeff is, is touting the fact that he's from Scottsdale, Arizona. Big deal. Big deal. <laughs> What's the matter with that? I just saw it. Big deal. No, it's, it is a big deal. There's oh, a lot of good athletes on. that come from Scottsdale, Arizona. But, but here's, here's what, what I want to ask you. Um, when, when you looked at Murphy, yeah. uh, in your mind, does, does he do all the things that an NFL secondary coach is going to ask him to do? Whether it's man, whether it's jam, whether it's press, whether it's yeah. playing some zone, yeah. whether it's going to come up and support the run. I don't think anybody questions his toolbox or his skill set. The question is, how much yeah. do you have to project him? I think he does everything really well. I mean, yes, the answer to your question is yes. And I think you're wrong, by the way, Paulie. I love you. You know that. But I think you're wrong about where Byron Murphy gets drafted. I think wow. it's very worse. Byron Murphy is a mid-first-round draft wow. pick on, I agree. Uh, on Thursday night because he does everything really, really well. He, again, look at his numbers against press. He can play press. He can play zone. You, you, you cannot play football for Jimmy Lake in this secondary and not play run support as a corner. The guy only played two years of college football because in 2016, his freshman year, you had Sidney Jones and Kevin King on the field, both second-round draft picks. So this guy could not get on the field. His very first game ever at Rutgers in 2017, he has two picks in his very first game. He's only played 20 games uh, as a college player because he was hurt his sophomore year. Played six games in 2017 and 14 games last year. But, yes, he can do everything you want a corner to do. The only concern I would have potentially, Paul, is his height at five foot ten. That's the only thing that would turn me off a little bit. But the cover skills, man, he's so damn good in coverage. He's great against the press. He's fine against the run. To answer your question, can you do everything a secondary coach wants? Of course he can, yes. Turn the tape on and watch this guy. You're wrong. He's a mid-first-round draft pick at worst. I, I didn't know. So, I didn't know. Up. I didn't know. Softy became an NFL agent, but obviously the Players Association has certified you. <laughs> uh, well, honestly, Greedy Williams, because of his height and length, sure. is getting a lot of pub yeah. as potentially the first corner, and you understand that. For hey, absolutely, for sure. There's no doubt about that. And one thing about Byron, I will say this and. I don't know what happened, but he left his agent about a week ago. He was with Doug Hendrickson, who represents a lot of guys in the area, including, you know, he was, he was Mark Sean's guy, Michael Bennett's guy, a lot of Seahawks, a lot of Huskies, and Taylor Rapp is with Doug Hendrickson. Uh, I have no idea what happened there, why he left his agent, but I'd be curious to see and hear more about that. But, yes, I would have no problem greedy being the first corner, but I would be pretty surprised if Byron Murphy was, was still there uh, at number 17 in the back half of the first round. Okay, so let's talk about let's talk about another stud down there in Washington. Rent Ty, Tyler Rapp, the safety. Um, what do you yeah, tell us a little yeah. bit about Taylor him? Rapp, right, Taylor, yep, right. Taylor Rapp. Taylor Rapp sounds like a song. Taylor Rapp, <laughs> or, yeah. or or or, or a, deli, rapper. a deli lunch meat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, by I, the way, I don't mean disrespect to him. I just, I just got that, by the way. That's how slow my, my brain works sometimes. Go ahead. Taylor Rapp. Oh, uh, right. see? Taylor egg, ham, and cheese wrap. There you go. There you go. go ahead, Softy. Sorry. Well, listen, I just think in the end you're talking about maybe the best blitzing safety the Seahawks have ever had. And I had the pleasure of watching this Huskies. kid for the past three years. Uh, he, he obviously could have come out of the draft 
or excuse me, could have stayed and come back to UW for one more year. But the draft stock, we're talking second round, potentially maybe late first, but I would say mid-second round mm-hmm. for Taylor Rapp. He did have a slow pro day a couple weeks ago at UW for his, uh, for his pro day 40, ran in the four sevens. And I talked to one guy who was there watching his 40 from behind, and he said he was kind of weaving in and out of his 40, uh, almost like he was favoring something. And mm-hmm. don't forget, this guy missed the Rose Bowl against Ohio State. He was actually suited up for the game and then decided not to play. So there's been some debate up here. Was that about him being legitimately hurt? Was that about him protecting his draft stock? Nobody really knows what happened on that day with Taylor Rapp, but they really missed him big time in that game against Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State. There was no doubt there was a gigantic hole in that secondary with Taylor Rapp not there. Great tackler, hard hitter, incredible blitzer, usually pretty fast except for, again, that pro day performance at Washington about a week ago. So I would have no problem making Taylor Rapp a second-round draft pick if I'm in the NFL and looking for a safety. And by the way, he can play both free and strong. I think he's a strong safety in the NFL, but he has played some free safety as well. Yeah, I had him down for strong myself, Softy. There's someone that I really am going to probably debate with you on because I'm going to rate him higher than I think you will. He had a heart ailment. That, of course, is Caleb McGarry, the right tackle, who I think, outside of the medical heart ailment question, which I know he settled at the Combine, he was able to work out, and, and he checked out in every way, shape, and form. I think he's a prototype right tackle, and I truly believe that he would be a terrific pick in maybe even the second round for somebody. Most of the draft books I yep. see think he's a third or fourth round guy, but I, I like him. How about the Giants? We need a right tackle. Right. Well, first of all, <laughs> if anybody is calling Caleb McGarry a fourth or a fifth round draft pick, that's ridiculous. All right? That's just somebody's not paying attention. Hey, I'm with that you, Softy. freaking eyes checked. I'm, I'm with you. And I talked <laughs> no. to him at the Combine, and what a great attitude as well. And he's a hulk of a human being. Awesome kid. Awesome kid. Uh, I've known him, obviously, since his high school days. He went to high school, Jeff, here in Tacoma mm-hmm. at Fife High School and could have gone anywhere in America and chose to play at Washington. His story is really a great one. When he was younger, his parents' house burned down, and they had to move into an RV for a while. He had the heart ailment, as you talked about. He thought there was a chance he may have to give up football, but mm-hmm. that was three, four years ago. I mean, all those things are in his past. And Caleb McGarry, the one thing about him that people don't realize he was playing alongside a registered freshman guard the entire year. Uh, Jeff, you remember the name Dean Kirkland? Does that name ring a bell, former Washington player? Sure, yeah. I also remember Kirkland because I lived there. His son, yeah. His son, Jackson, exactly. His son, Jackson Kirkland, yep. shows you how old we're getting, by the way. His son was the right guard for UW last year as a registered freshman. Oh, but Caleb McGarry did not have much experience next to him the entire year. And any time his name stood out, any time he made a mistake, Anytime he popped off the page for doing something wrong, it was a shock to the system. You guys know right tackles and left tackles are like umpires in baseball. You only notice them when they do something wrong. Right. Caleb McGarry, you barely noticed him in four years at Washington. That's how consistent he was. So, Paul, I totally agree with you. I, I, I think people talking about this guy as a mid-round draft pick are off their freaking rocker. There's a chance this guy could be a late first-round draft pick, if not an early second-round pick. I think he's one of the best right tackles in the, in the draft for sure. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm a big fan, Softy, and, and he's a bruiser, and, and he just muscles people. As you say, he is so grateful to even have a chance to play yep. pro ball and to make the kind of money he's going to yep. make after where he's come from. I don't think you can go wrong with this guy as a right tackle. Now, make no mistake, he's not the most athletic and agile guy, so I don't see him as a left tackle. Right. But as a right tackle, nope. he's going to bruise people. 
So anyway. Well, he's just I mean, I, yeah. I mean, just first of all, going back to your 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 take on his attitude. I, I mean, sometimes we in this business throw things out there like that. He's a great kid. He's an awesome dude, and it really doesn't matter if they can't play. Caleb McGarry will work his ass off for whatever for because of his background, because of where he came from. You're never going to read about Caleb McGarry in the newspaper for the wrong reasons ever. He will be a 16-game starter for you. He will bust his butt. He will play a decade in the NFL, and he will never be in trouble. He will be a great teammate. He'll be a great leader. He'll be great with the media. He really is everything you want in a right tackle, man. There's no question about it, Paul. I love this guy. Yeah. Yeah, And I I just feel like the Giants need – well, there's no depth at right tackles. I know you don't know a lot about the roster of the Giants, but they they definitely need someone like this, a guy that they can can count on, that they're not going to have to draft in the first round. Um, The Giants do have two first-round draft picks. Um, and they also, what's this, a second one? 37 high, overall 37. in the second so, round. You know, maybe he's a guy that the Giants can look at, you know, just from a, that, that type of perspective. I guess we got to go now to the next one, maybe Drew Sample. Talk a little bit about him, the big tight end. Yep. Got to see him play a little bit. Yep. And uh, he's, he's, he seems like a pretty tough dude. Yeah, local kid went to Newport High School mm-hmm. uh, right here in Bellevue, uh, just across the water from, uh, from Seattle. So he's grown up in this area. His entire life, great blocker, soft hands, wasn't really a gigantic part of the offense the last couple of years, but they really ran the crap out of the ball with Miles Gaskin, you know, going for more yards than anybody else in the history of Pac-12 football. And he was the all-time leading rusher at Washington, so they really were a run-first football team. But, I mean, look, I, I, I look at the success of a guy like Will Disley, who the Seahawks took a year ago, and he was about ready to blow up as a pass catcher before he got hurt. I think Drew Sample is the same kind of thing, underused in college because he wasn't a gigantic part of the passing game because of how much they ran the ball. But you give this guy a shot, he's got soft hands, he runs great routes, he's a good kid, doesn't have great speed, but, you know, that's a tight end, so who cares about that? But he's willing to do everything. We just got done, guys, in Seattle watching Jimmy Graham being unwilling to block anybody. Okay, Mm -hmm. So I have now really kind of come to uh, appreciate the willingness of a guy like Drew Sample to block in the run game and a guy who can get out in the seam uh, and catch passes. So, you know, fifth-round draft pick, maybe a mid-to-late-round draft pick, Drew Sample, uh, definitely a, a guy that I think is worth taking a flyer on late in the draft if you do have a need for a backup tight end for sure. See, the problem you have, Softy, is you're dating yourself. See, the tight ends of the, of the past are the guys that you'd like to see block. None of those guys block yes. anymore. So forget that out of your mind. These well, guys don't block you know anymore. What's fun, you, you know what's yeah, funny? He's a throwback. This guy will block. Will Disley of the Seahawks will block. Here's what's the funny, guys. Okay. I will right. tell you now, Softy and Jeff, from being at the Combine for three days, what I have found is that this crop of tight ends, these rookies coming into the league, it's probably the most block-centric group of tight ends that we've seen it's drafted in the last right. decade because guys got away from that. This draft has a right. bunch of blocking tight ends. Hallelujah! They finally got back to old well, school let just, football. <laughs> let me just throw this at you because, Jeff, Jeff, I think you're right in a lot of ways that, hey, look, I mean, nobody grows up dreaming about being a blocking tight end, right? No. I mean, nobody no. grows up saying, I want to be a long snapper or a freaking, you know, uh, run-blocking tight end. Hell, I'm not sure how many kids grow up even wanting to be a punter, for crying out loud. But yeah. there are kids that do. Some. This is a great path to the NFL for kids like that. I'll give you an example. George Fant, who plays for us now, okay? He played basketball at Western Kentucky. The Seahawks signed him as a free agent, and he's found a career in the NFL 
as a blocker, as a tight end, and as a right tackle because he's willing to put his head into somebody else's chest. So I think that's a great path for guys like Drew Sample. And they know the only way you're going to survive in the NFL, Drew, is if you block people. He gets that and he's willing to do it. And a lot of teams, a lot of teams, obviously they need the minimum three tight ends. You've got to have at least one right. of those guys, like a Drew Sample. That can be with that guy that's going to yep. put his put his head in somebody else's chest. Not all three of them on the roster yep. can be there. You're split. They split them outside and be athletic like Jimmy Graham that never wants. You got to have one of those guys. So that's a good thing. All right, Softy. I'm gonna I'm gonna give Absolutely. you I'm gonna give you four names who are probably you know late third day selections. Uh, but give me a thumbnail, right. a quick thumbnail. You don't have to go as expressive or expansive on these guys. You mentioned Miles Gaskins, okay. the running back before uh, Gaskin, Jordan Miller, the corner. Uh, Greg Gaines, the defensive tackle, and Ben Burkirvin, uh, the linebacker. Yep. Ben Burkirvin was the player of the year in the Pac-12. He's just a tackling freaking machine. He's one of those underrated guys. Uh, guys don't look at white linebackers anymore as, you know, real attractive players, I think, you know, near the top of the draft. But Ben Burkirvin was fast as hell. He was one of the faster players on this Washington team a year ago. And nobody looks at that because he's a white guy. He was fast <laughs> as hell last year, so check out his 40 time. Number two, Jordan Miller at the Husky Combine a year ago put up numbers that would have been top two or three for his position at the NFL Combine. The vert, the freaking 40, everything this guy does reeks of athleticism. He got banged up a year ago at Arizona State and was never able to really recover that, so I'm curious to see if that recovery continues, if he can get back to those numbers. Greg Gaines I'd be a little bit concerned about because a penguin has longer arms than Greg Gaines. (laughs) As far as, you know, taking up gaps as a defensive lineman, great run stuffer. He's never going to be a real third-down guy, never going to be a threat to go after the quarterback because his arms are so freaking short. So, I mean, look, all these guys have talent, and they have great work ethics because they play for Chris Peterson. But the one guy in that group that we talked about that I would like of those three guys is Ben Burkerman. BBK has has special teams demon written all over him. He's got backup linebacker written all over him. He's smart. He's instinctive. And, again, he's fast as hell. Check out his 40 time. You'll be blown away. Yeah, he'll, he'll be a guy. He'll, 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 those scouts, they find these kind of guys. They really do because, you know what, the, bo- the bottom of your roster has got to be filled with guys like Ben. That's what it is. He's a four, yeah. five, six, forty guy. Okay, athletic, and you said he's all over the place. That's your special teams captain stud right there. And also, that's a guy that can maybe eventually move into a starting lineup when all of a sudden you show his intangibles, and the coaching staff just falls in love with right. this guy. Well, one of the well, things. I, just, go ahead. I, I would compare him, by the way, and this is probably unfair because again, I'm comparing a white guy to a white guy, but I'm talking about a guy that. Really did not get a ton of, you know, attention here in Seattle, but he was a great special teams guy for us, and that's a guy named Heath Farwell, who's now a special teams coach in Buffalo with the Bills, and he was a great special teams guy, great red zone guy, great goal line goal uh, guy, great tackler, and was just steady. And that's that, that's the kind of guy Ben Burkirvin is. He's just steady. Yeah, smart. Sounds like he's an intelligent guy, too, and you need those guys. Final question for me, Softy, yep. before we let you go. Uh, we have now talked about almost 10 guys who have a shot to make an NFL roster this season. I mean, that, that's a very large right. group for a team that did not play in the national championship game, okay? What is it about the Husky staff? Are, are they as concentrated on making these guys pro prospects as they are winning their games? We've talked to a bunch of people around the country this year when we've addressed the college prospects, and most of them 
they're, they're all talking about, and rightfully so, how the head coaches at the NCAA level, level, and I talk about this all the time, they're trying to appease the sponsors, the alumni, the donors. They're trying to win games to save their jobs. They're not so much interested in how am I going to prep a guy to play in the NFL. But then every once in a while, we talk to somebody who says, this coaching staff prepped the guy for the NFL. In fact, we just heard uh, uh, yesterday, I think it was, we, we were told that the Delaware coaching staff moved Nasir Adderley from cornerback to safety because they knew yeah. he was going to be an NFL safety and they wanted to prep him for the pro level. You don't get that very much. Right. So what is it about the Huskies coaching staff? What is their mentality about sending these guys off into the pro ranks? It's a, it's a huge part of what they do, and they embrace it. I was talking to Jimmy Lake, who's the defensive coordinator, last week, and I talked about you know, how much do you sell the NFL when it comes to corners and safeties? He says every single day. You walk over to UW here to uh, Washington's campus, and they have a brand-new facility here, and they've got you know stuff all over the walls you know, regarding who's playing in the NFL and, and who, you know, who just got drafted. So they really embrace that. They promote it. And, for example, Caleb McGarry came here as a defensive lineman. He's now going to be potentially a first-round draft pick at right tackle. We've seen a, Will Disley was a defensive lineman and is now in Seattle with the Seahawks as a tight end. So they really do a great job of putting guys in position where they can thrive, not just for Washington, but also make a jump to the pro ranks. Because let's, let's face it, guys, every player on this Washington roster, maybe with the exception of walk-ons, all the 85 scholarship guys, they were all stars in high school. Sure. Every single one of them wants to play in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Come to Washington, and they will put you in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And, I, and by, by the way, as far as all the stuff about the alumni and the donors and all that stuff, Chris Peterson could not give a crap about things <laughs> like that. He just wants to coach football, win games, and be left the hell alone. Great Coffee. stuff. Let me ask you, you know, I, I sure to hell hope. That that new in, that new facility is indoors in Washington because I got to tell you it something. Is. When we came out of the dome and they, they were building the new stadium, we went over there to play at UW for two right. years. I will never forget the first year that we were at the University of Washington, the Seahawks playing in that stadium. Oh, it's right off the water too, right? Well, yeah. You had yeah, right off the water. The two preseason games, it rained. The eight yeah. regular oh, season games, cold. it rained. <laughs> Ten games <laughs> in a row, it rained. For those games. So oh, I'm just kind of busting on it. I, I just remember those days back there, and it was just – it was miserable playing yeah. in that stadium, Jeff, I'll tell you. Yeah. Jeff, let me tell you, man, you would, you would love this new facility. I am literally, as I'm talking to you guys, I just got out of the car, and I'm literally standing right outside Husky Stadium as we speak right now, uh-huh. right underneath the, uh, the east end zone, looking at uh, the practice field uh, right next to Lake Washington. This facility they have here is amazing. It's nicer than the Seahawks facility at the VMAC in Renton. Their locker room and their weight room and their training facilities is nicer than what the Seahawks have in the NFL at their practice facility. So if you're ever out here, man, let me know. We'll get you a tour. you got to have that. you got to have that these days with these college athletes. I'm telling you. All right. That is Softy Maller of KJR Radio in Seattle. Softy, it is great to to talk to you again. You be well and stay dry. You got it, man. We'll see you guys. Yeah, you, buddy. Good, buddy. Thank you, Softy. Take care, man. Talking Huskies football, and man, oh, man, do they have a plethora of talent coming out of that program. Softy gets fired up now. He does. He does. Are you sure he's not Italian? <laughs> 
Let's, <laughs> let's go back to our phone lines, 201-939-4513. Scott is on line four out of New Mexico. Hello. Hi, guys. How are you doing today? Hi. What's up? Uh, question for you. I'm still a big proponent of taking uh, Haskins with the sixth-round pick. I won't go into the details of why, but say that doesn't happen and the Giants do get uh, a defensive edge rusher or a lineman. The 17th round pick becomes really important. Well, overall, not, you're not talking rounds. You're talking overall, but yeah, we get what you're going at. Six, go ahead. Seven, right. Okay. Uh, is it a stretch, uh, to, provided he's still there, uh, that the Giants might look at D.K. Metcalf uh, as the 17th round pick? And I have my reasons why. One of them is my confidence in Golden Tate. I know there's been a lot of stories, you know, how, how good he is. And he was great in Seattle and in uh, Detroit. But the last half of the season in Philadelphia, he had less than 300 uh, receiving yards, and he only had one touchdown catch. I know he had one in the playoffs, but that was it. And he's 31. So I'm wondering if the Giants would take a flyer, provided that D.K. Metcalf is available, because I'm not sure he will be with the 17-round pick. Does it make sense from either of your perspectives that he might be a choice? And I know the uh, the weaknesses that have been proclaimed about him, but I think they're they're coachable. And if you looked at his pro day, they he sort of maybe answered a lot of questions about his route running and so forth. So I wanted to get your perspective on that particular pick uh, based on the scenario that exists with the Giants today. All right, Scott, we're going to let you go and listen in on the web. I'll let Jeff discuss Metcalf. I will tell you what I've heard about Tate in Philadelphia. Uh, when he got there, uh, it was a, a bit slow picking up the playbook because it was vastly different from where he had come from. Then on top of that, once he did, there wasn't enough of familiarity with the quarterback. And he had his other guys who were already his favorite receivers and getting things done. So as a result, he was not nearly much involved in the offense as one would think or one would estimate his talent to be. So do not look at Golden Tate's numbers and say that that's reflective of him now being over the hill. That would be a mistake. Yeah, I just think that you know, he's got a little bit of time to get in that playbook now and get a little bit of the offseason going with Eli Manning. I think he is going to be a tremendous asset to this team. I think he's going to be a lot of help for Sterling Shepard because of the veteran presence there. And now Sterling doesn't have to worry about a contract anymore. He can just go out and play football. DK Metcalf is a guy that, you know what, this all goes about philosophy again, Paul, and we talk about this all the time. If for some reason that guy drops down to the 17th pick, not the 17th round, Scott, as you were saying, um, 17 rounds, that might have been, there might have been 17 rounds when I was coming out of college. <laughs> but it's to the point where if he's there, you're taking them. You're taking the guy at that type of, 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 of you know, you're taking a guy with that type of talent. Now, he's very good vertically, and, and John and I actually, we did a, a breakdown on him a few weeks ago. We had somebody on here that was talking about DK Metcalf. His lateral speed is not the greatest, but he's a freakish athlete. He's a big dude, and he can get up and down the field, and he can get he can get out on top of those safeties and corners. That's what you like about someone like that. Uh, I would also offer one more thing as you were talking. It kind of hit my mind. Golden Tate, you can compare him to a Chris Calloway-type receiver. You remember Chris? Yeah. Former Steeler who yeah. came to the Giants. Yeah. Uh, very, very smart, terrific route runner. Uh, is tough will block for the run, get some yards after the catch, very deceptively, the catch. deceptive in his, yes. in his yak yardage. Yes. Uh, Chris Calloway type, 
Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, we go back to the phones. Line three for Mike in Boston. You're next on the show. Hi, Mike. Hey. Hey, guys. How are you? Hi. Good. All right. I'll make it quick. Uh, it's actually a good call because um, a lot of the points I want to talk about have kind of come up. Okay. Um, with, with the sixth pick, I know you guys were talking earlier, it would be nice to see one of those top three drops. Uh, I particularly like Josh Allen. Um, I wanted to <laughs> a lot of people do. Um, you had mentioned the possibility two quarterbacks go ahead, right, of, uh, of number six. But another possibility is Ed Oliver, who could go top five. The, and that could make one of those three guys drop. Yeah. You know? I, so that, that's a realistic scenario. And there was, a, there was a mock draft. Somebody just came out with. They actually had Ed Oliver going to the Jets at number three. So then there you go. Then I, there I, you yeah. go. I think what you it need, what, yeah. what you want, if you're the Giants and you're salivating for one of those three defensive guys who are in the elite category – you need two quarterbacks to go in the top five, or you need an offensive lineman, a tackle to go in the top five, or you need Ed Oliver. You're absolutely right. right. He's the right. other possibility who could sneak into the top five and then drop one of those three big guys right. down to the Giants. You're absolutely right. Oliver, right. one of the tackles, uh, and, and the two quarterbacks have to go. Agreed, right. So we don't control our destiny, but there's a good chance. Hey, but you know guys, what? I, I got no problem taking Sweat or Ferrell at six. Trust me. Right. I throw a pizza party for either one of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's party. what I wanted to mention with the 17th, though, and it was interesting what the previous caller brought up with DK Metcalf. Um, just from a size perspective, it seems like Metcalf is a similar size to Evan Ingram, right? Mm-hmm. And you both very good athletes. Um, I know, Paul, you're a big fan of that back shoulder throw, mm-hmm. and understandably so. I would love to see um, Ingram have a breakout year where he really, you know, uh, is able to, to make that part of his repertoire. Oh. What I would actually like to see is at the 17th, if it, I don't even know if you know, this would, would happen, but if uh, TJ Hawkinson is available, who's a blocking tight end, um, it would be nice. Red Ellison, I think, has two years left under his contract, but. To get that traditional tight end, and I then the, I don't think the he's going to be there. Nightmare Evan Ingram with the four-four speed, that would, to me, you know, be a nice combination. If Hawkinson, if I think people are calling him a top, t- you know. Yeah, he's yeah. not going to be there. I, I'd be shocked if he's at seventeen. I really would. Yeah, he's one of my guys where I think somebody maybe goes up and gets him. To the fact yeah. that you know what? Thank God that we only got three minutes or two minutes left in the show because when you start talking about back shoulder throws, I don't want to get into it with Paul Latino. He is <laughs> he will talk an hour on back th- shoulder throws and how the Giants don't utilize it enough. And right, Paul? You like the back shoulder it, throws, it don't you? It pains me to no end. <laughs> yes. We've had we've pains had this discussion. Me to no end. We've had this discussion off the air so many times about it and how effective it can be and why do the teams don't run it and why do the Giants don't run it. I mean I think that Evan Ingram can have one of those breakout years if they incorporate that throw into his repertoire. Oh my goodness, you can't, yeah. you can't, can't cover it. Look, I'm going to tell you what. There are a bunch of six foot three skyscraping wide receivers who will be available in day three. I would recommend you just let Ingram do what he's doing down the seam and draft one of those very competent wide receivers on the third day, maybe in the sixth round even fifth round sixth round and that guy can be your back shoulder throw specialist see Metcalf to me because of his fluidity and lack of agility I know he's got straight ahead speed 
the back shoulder throw is not going to work for him because mm -hmm. I don't think his his lower body agility yeah. get everything it works well for that. Yeah, you got to get everything out in front of him. You you know you he's got to go straight down the field. Yeah. Uh, you ask him to start right. making moves in a small box. I think you're asking for trouble. There is going to be a very crowded space for that wide receiver slots this year because you know they just signed a bunch of guys back to the roster from last year. Well, everybody's got, back except for uh, Beckham. There you go. So I think that uh, it'll be interesting, very interesting. But thank well, you for the call. Appreciate yeah. it. Oh, oh yeah. Go ahead. Well, go quickly. Ahead. Yeah, Mike. All right. All right. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I was going to say just just two other things. With Metcalf, I think he's a little bit risky. We had that David Wilson injury years ago with the neck, and I'm just not okay percent sold on on that whole situation. But the other thing too, um, just as far as the ability to block, and the reason why I like. Uh, this, uh, this uh, the Hawkinson uh, as a tight end. When you look at what Gronk has been able to do now, granted mm -hmm. he's twenty pounds heavier, you know, but just in terms of blocking in the Super Bowl, you didn't see him much running routes. That's because Sony Michelle was running the ball, and we're turning into right. a run-heavy offense. Yep. And to have a guy who can add to your offensive line and add support that way, I know we keep talking about the right tackle, and we do need to fill that spot. But to add a really good blocking tight end who can also receive. I think that would be a slam dunk if a guy like him was available. And the other tight end that might be targeted by Green Bay or some of these others might be Noah Font. He might go higher. I remember a few years ago when we drafted Ingram, O.J. Howard was a big talk, David Njoku. And yeah, those guys I was a Njoku guy. Yeah. They, yeah they Here, here's what I'll so tell you, Mike. And they fell. We, yeah. did give you, we did give you a little more time to add to your points. We got to run. Here's what I would say. Because there are suddenly a lot of blocking tight ends coming out of school this year, you could probably get one of those, again, on the third day and not have to spend such a high pick to grab a blocking tight end if you really feel you need to go get one. I personally think Ellison could do the job. Sure. I think he can, too. I think I don't think you need to go waste a draft pick on that. I would rather see I – mean, I, I don't mean the word waste a draft pick. I would rather – I would like you to utilize that type of a draft pick on the defense. Go get some depth on the defensive side of the football. I'm totally agreement on that one. He is Jeff Fiegels. I'm Paul Dottino. We appreciate you guys for checking us out here on Big that's, Blue Kickoff that's, that's Live. Matt over there, too. Matt, right? Matt producing for us today. We are here every Monday to Friday from noon to 1 Eastern Time, 201-939-4513, or hashtag Giants Chat. We thank Josh Norris, who covers the NFL for NBC Sports and Roto World, and Softy Mailer of KJR, KJR Radio in Seattle. He talked about the Washington Huskies. That'll do it for today's show. We'll be back with another program tomorrow. So long, everybody.